Hello, everybody, and welcome <laughs> to another episode of another film podcast. My name is Tierney. My name is Colin. My name's Matt. <laughs> I think I so. Don't know, I don't know if you ever even got the, the tease there. <laughs> My name is yeah, Matt. I wasn't sure. <laughs> Matt? <laughs> he actually M-A-A-A-A-A-A-H-H-H-H-H. said it. H-H-H-H-H-H. Mm-hmm. He said it, but he was in a moving vehicle, so it went, Oh, Matt? that's it. Matt? <laughs> It's like Ariana Grande. You gotta really listen for the tease. There it is. All right. So, <laughs> well, that's well, it. that was it. Thanks, everybody. Thanks, I'm so much. Thanks for tuning in. <laughs> <laughs> oh God, that would be good. We should do that sometime. Just, just, just for like, laughs. Just like a, a mini episode. Like a, <laughs> just to waste a people's time. Like a forty-five second long episode. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god <laughs> watch okay. if we are like most listened to oh one, yeah two. like the I'll, I'll check the stats on that one it'll be like off the fucking charts <laughs> well then everything would just get fucked forever because we've got that like one high water mark where everybody listened to the entire thing and then everything else just plummets <laughs> our graphs would be really sad forever <laughs> I think it would In be this worth it, hypothetical though. Hypothetical situation. Yeah, <clears throat> I think it would be worth it for the lulls. The yeah. lulls. <laughs> you know what else um, is worth it for the lulls? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Wow, what a segue! <laughs> oh, incredible! <laughs> this week's movie is uh, Zodiac. Mailing this. We're doing so good on this one. About the Zodiac Killer. <laughs> <laughs> Matt, this was your pick. It sure was. Oh my goodness. Uh, and this is in our current run of movies that weren't nominated, but we think should have been nominated for Best Picture the year they came out. Um, and I, I chose this one. Because uh, it has all the makings of what I think uh, like an Oscar nominee would be. Um, but yeah, David Fincher movie, Jake Gyllenhaal, Robert Downey Jr., uh, Mark Ruffalo, June Diane Raphael, Chloe Savini. There's so many that guys and that girls yeah. in this movie. Like Marjorie? And, yeah. Yes. <laughs> Marjorie. From V? Oh, from V. daughter. No. What? What? No, the daughter's girlfriend. Yeah. The daughter's oh, girlfriend oh, from Claire B. Duvall. Yeah, yeah, Clay Duvall. Yeah, Clay Duvall. I literally texted Matt as I was watching it last night. I was like, oh, I always forget that Clay Duvall is in this movie. <laughs> yeah. Robert Duvall's daughter, Robert Duvall, who's a frequent I don't uh, think... person we comment on. Is she actually? I thought she was unrelated. I think they're unrelated. Really? I think, I, I think so. All these years, I thought they were related. When I first, Let's confirm this real quick. When I first saw her on I'm screen, on it. I just immediately went in my head that one veep blooper from the final <laughs> season that fucking kills me every time and she goes marjorie 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 uh anyway. yeah she is not related to robert duvall so, so half daughter he she's his half daughter sure from a fort from another she's marriage. actually if you, you want to say that <laughs> oh interesting what a twist um but yeah, she's in this. Um, I saw this movie, I feel like, I don't know, five years ago, six years ago. Um, 
I think I watched it on, like, Labor Day weekend. Um, and it just kind of had that feel to it. Because it's... There's so many, like, bright, sunny, warm uh, shots and scenes in this. Um, and I remember really liking it then, but I feel like it was so big that I was like, I feel like I need to watch this again. And I think this is my third time watching it. And really holds up. Uh, a lot of the writing is so sharp and fast and they're putting so much into every line um and if you're like paying attention to certain details of the case when they like put the connection together you're like oh interesting um and i just think it's a wonderful movie it feels like the kind of movie that would have been nominated i think this was in a pretty busy year for the oscars uh so when we talk about what it was up against uh, i think it'll be clear why this probably didn't make the cut but I think it's like, you know, it's about a pretty high-profile real event, uh, packed cast, really sharp direction, um, looks great, and feels feels kind of great. Like spra- <laughs> it feels great, <laughs> but feels like this kind of sprawling crime epic um, that has a pretty interesting ending. So that's my thoughts on it. Um, let's go around. Who wants to share their thoughts? Well, I'll go next just because I've – Tierney, you've never seen it before, right? No. Yeah. <clears throat> so I – obviously, my feelings on Fincher are very well known at this point to listeners of this uh, podcast. So – but weirdly, this was just one that I never got around to seeing. And I think part of it is because of – the Oscar situation because this movie came out when I was in college and at the time the town where I went to college didn't have a movie theater so like I had to go out of my way to seek things out and since this wasn't really part of the conversation I was focusing more on some of the other movies instead Um, so it just kind of slipped through the cracks and then I never got around to catching up to it and then I finally decided that I was going to watch it for the first time a couple years ago and it's really good, but I had the exact same reaction that you did, Matt, where I was like, I can tell that this is fantastic, but I need to watch it at least one to five more times to like fully appreciate how good this is. And I have, yeah, so watching it for the pod, this was my third time as well. And I was just like, each time I've watched it, I've been more blown away by how good it was. And I texted Matt last night that like, I think after time number three that Zodiac has surpassed social network in my Fincher rankings Hmm. as the number one Fincher movie. Bold. It's so good. (laughs) From what limited Fincher films I've seen, I would say this is by far the best. Oh God. I was really nervous of where you were going to go. But that's because of where I'd rank (laughs) the rest of those movies. But you love Benjamin Button, right? (laughs) So much. He did Fincher. (laughs) Or Fincher yeah. did Benjamin Button. Yeah, yeah. My Fincher God. does Button. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I thought this was I thought this was pretty good. Um, I enjoyed it and like could tell that it was like a well made um, like investigative drama. It's probably one of the better ones. Uh, and when you were talking about Matt, how this has all of the things you want in an Oscar. I thought you were going to say an Oscar investigative investigative uh, drama and immediately went to Spotlight, yep. which is just... <laughs> mm-hmm. 
uh, wide-hipped <coughs> men Ruffalo. in pleated khakis. Um, <laughs> and Ruffalo. And Ruffalo, and Ruffalo yeah. <laughs> Not a cop, but instead a newsroom person. Um, but a, a much showier performance <laughs> from Ruffalo in that movie than this one. Like it this almost, was just a way better movie than that one. Well, a hundred percent. Yeah, I'm on record being pretty anti spotlights. So. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I thought it was good. Um, uh, I also went in with like pretty. This isn't a qualification for how good it is, but I went in with very low expectations, um, and was pleasantly surprised. Um. And I, yeah, I just thought it was a good, I just thought it was a good movie. Yeah. Uh, I actually took notes doing Ooh, this movie. Wow. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Well, because I was so, like, oh, there's some things I want to, there's some things I want to say about this. <laughs> <laughs> so do we want to talk a little bit about Oscars up front? Kind of like what we did for Portrait of a Lady on Fire? Or do we want to save that yeah. for the end? Let's do it now. Okay, so... At least for Best Picture. We, we can do the others later. Okay, so we'll just stick to Best Picture. But yeah. 2007 is a really fucking good year for this movies, you guys. 2007? Yeah. Man, uh, I thought it was like 2000... I thought this was like Donnie Darko days. Is that the no, bunny? No, no, no. Yes. The, okay. Yeah. No, this is older Jake. This is post-Brokeback Jake. Mm. Yeah, this is like when Jake was like starting to make a turn towards like being a serious actor although i think there's like a prince of persia movie that comes out a little after this so like yeah there's he was a jarhead by this point he had done more uh unique roles yeah um so this is back in 2007 when there were only five nominees so i do feel like in an expanded pool zodiac would have made the cut but the list that year atonement Juno, Michael Clayton, No Country for Old Men, and There Will Be Blood. Just, I, like, atone, the year. atonement aside, like, Jesus Christ. <laughs> like, <laughs> I thought atonement was very good. And, which is not, like, but I think to look at those others, like, I would, say at, <laughs> I would say atonement is, say. like, the outlier. Not that atonement, I, I've never seen it in full. I've seen, like, bits and pieces of it, and it, like, it seems like it would be fine, Maybe better than fine. I don't know. But it's pretty good. It does seem like an outlier in regards to those other, you know. Yeah. It's got some big war sequences. Yeah. Like but I guess the that whole, one's like heightened <clears throat> drama of it all. I think yeah. is really good. But what is is Michael Clayton the George Clooney politics? Yeah. Does it look like I'm negotiating? No, this is uh no, yeah, corporate not... lawyer. Yeah, sorry, not, not politics. It's Tilda Swinton and, um, oh, fuck, what's his name? Tom Wilkinson. T- thank you, Tom Wilkinson, yeah. <laughs> like, I, knew, Tom Wilkinson. I knew Tom, but I couldn't get his last name. Uh, Michael Clayton, have you seen that movie recently? No. Holds the fuck up. I watched it a couple years ago for the first time since 2007. I was like, damn, this is you're good. In, you're in college in 2007? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I graduated high school in 2006. (laughs) What? (laughs) I don't really know how to respond to that. 2007 (laughs) is when we graduated high school. I just forget that I'm. I always just think I'm like maybe six months younger than you guys. (laughs) No. But it's also my. Like, I'm old for my grade. Yeah. And so I'm. I think I'm two years behind you. Anyway, this is not important. (laughs) 
But I think this is the type of thing that our listeners come to the, the pod for. So. <laughs> the age so differences. We'll keep this understanding in. understanding scale. Yeah. Uh, um, but no, I no, mean. but like, in the year of No Country for Old Men and There Will Be Blood, it's like, and the other ones. Like, Juno even, which is kind of like the dark horse of those five nominees, was still like a moment. It had like a very big cultural moment, so it makes sense that it made it in and like gave Elliot Page his first nomination, yeah. uh, which was like a big deal. And so like at the time, even that that movie was like taking a lot of the spotlight. So it is understandable that Zodiac just kind of was like, it's, you're not going to make it this year. Yeah, and I was looking at it. Honestly, and again, and it's this is like unfair of me to say because I haven't seen Atonement, but the only one that I could even think of putting Zodiac in its place would be Atonement, which again is not to say that Atonement doesn't deserve getting. I haven't seen it. I would probably replace Juno. Interesting. Yeah. I think Juno is a good movie, and I've, and like I said, like it had a moment and it did. A I lot have that was like fun and different at the time, but. Atonement's, you like, know. also the craft of that movie is very good. Yeah. Like, I just remember, like, I don't know. I feel like I remember a lot of shots from that movie. Well, there's there's that, and like, the soundtrack infamous... was incredible. Yeah, and there's that infamous oneer of yeah. uh, from Dunkirk, like, from the beach. Mm-hmm. Um, I Yeah, I guess that's probably have, that's... fair. <clears throat> Itty bitty Saoirse Ronan. Just the BBS Saoirse. I saw her. I <laughs> saw him. I told, I told my sister. I think, okay, so I was in high school when these movies all came out. And I told my sister she should watch that movie and realize why sometimes I hate her. <laughs> 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 I still feel bad about it, but... It's like, because the whole premise is that she thinks she sees something that she doesn't. Right. And so it's like her thinking she knows more than she does. There's a bitchy thing for me to say. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, Um, Shay, if you're listening. (laughs) (laughs) So I think, so I think Zodiac had two things going for it. One, as we discussed, like, that's just a, a fucking banner year for movies. Like, yeah. Those are all bangers. One for the books. For and sure. I do, like, I have a very special relationship to Juno, like, uh, just on a personal level. Like, that was one of the... you were a pregnant Because I was one. a pregnant teenager. <laughs> <laughs> um, but no, like, that movie is set in Minneapolis or, like, the surrounding parts of Minneapolis. And I had tickets to an advanced screening of that movie in Minneapolis at a super cool indie theater um so like i had like a really cool experience seeing that movie so i do think that i'm probably rating it a little bit higher based on just like that but still all of those movies are really good and do hold up really well Mm -hmm. um so i think it has that going for it the other thing zodiac was actually supposed to come out in 2006 um Mm. fincher's original cut was over three hours long and Paramount was like, Ugh. nah. <laughs> Give us that director's cut. Which, by the way, inject all three hours into my eyeballs. Like, yeah. I will happily Fincher watch cut, it. <laughs> what were the best pictures for 2006? Um, great question, and I was going to pull real, that up, and then I for, real is that forgot one, to do it. Is that I one like Slumdog? Think, no, Slum, Slumdog is the 2008. I think um, it was 2012. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> 
Okay, so yeah, here's what we've got going on for 2006. The Departed, Babel, Letters from Iwo Jima, Little Miss Sunshine, and The Queen. Mm, so, like... Pretty pretty tough. A tough year, but I think Zodiac probably could have made it in there. Yeah. In a, in a way that it wouldn't have made it in, or didn't make it in, in 2007. So I think... Yeah. I, but yeah, I think it was originally supposed to hit the, like the fall 2006 time window so that I could be eligible for the 2006 Oscars, but it just ended up taking a long time for it to get finished that it ended, it came out in March. Hmm. Like Zodiac came out in March. That's so bad. It's such a weird time. Like, I feel like if it missed the, like the awards, like the fall window in 2006, they like Paramount should have just held it. Yeah. Because I don't necessarily know if it would have gotten in, but it def- I feel like it definitely would have had a better chance. Because all of those other movies came out in the fall. They were, like, in people's minds. And so, like, Zodiac was climbing an uphill battle. Anyway. Even, like, adapted screenplay. Like, and we can talk more about other categories later, but... Like, the screenplay is so tight, and the editing is so good. But, like, even That's if what it was, I was gonna categories. To yeah. name it for was editing... Yeah. Yeah, I mean, we can do the whole run right now if we want um since we're already kind of in Oscar's world, but it's it is nuts to me. To your point, Matt, like this movie didn't get nominated for anything. Oh, wow. Like, not a single <laughs> Academy Award, which is bonkers. Cuz yeah. again, like it's a strong year, but like this movie is really good mm-hmm. and was like Better than Spotlight. very highly regarded in its time. Like Wikipedia research tells me that there were only two movies that were on more people's top 10 lists in 2007. Wow. No Country for Old Men and There Will Be Blood. Wow. <laughs> so, like... This should have been this there. This should have been there. It's so crazy that it wasn't. And it wow. just wasn't nominated for anything. Like, it was totally shut out, which is insane. So, like, best editing that year, Born Ultimatum, Diving Bell and the Butterfly, Into the Wild, No Country for Old Men, and There Will Be Blood. Into the wild, it would have beat. Yeah. yeah. Like, it could have snuck in there. Um, I, cinematography, There Will Be Blood, Assassination of Jesse James, Coward Robert Ford, Atonement, Diving Bell and Butterfly, No Country for Old Men. That's a really tough category. Yeah, yeah <laughs> like, that's a tough category. really, Probably really hard category. I, I don't think I would cut any of those, yeah. Um, adapted screenplay, No Country for Old Men, Atonement, Away from Her, Diving Bell and the Butterfly, and there will be blood. Nah. <laughs> <laughs> it probably would have beaten away from her just because that one doesn't. Oh, I don't even know that mind. movie. I was it's, just going. It's a Sarah Polly movie. Mm-hmm. If that means anything About to you. Dementia, guys. I think. Maybe. In any um, case. But yeah, it's 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 nuts. <laughs> it's got nuts. all the makings. And how, okay, so how would you guys categorize those three performances? Like, would you put them all in lead? Or would you put them all in supporting? Would you put one in lead, one in, like, how would you? Robert Downey would be supporting. Ruffalo would be supporting. Jake Gyllenhaal would be lead. Yeah. It's weird we because. Really, and we, we nominate follow him them, more. though. Yeah, I think and, I'd but, nominate Downey Jr. Because I think yeah. he really embodies that character's dialogue and like decline in a way that's like the arc of that character is pretty powerful 
Jake Gyllenhaal's doing a great, like, boy detective yeah. energy. Um, and there's, I mean, he's got some great moments in this of, like, really emoting in a way where you're like, oh, yeah, that's how it would feel uh, to be in this person's house. Um, Mark Ruffalo, I think, is just doing good, good Ruffalo. Mm-hmm. He's, like, realistic and, like, fun to watch. But, yeah, I don't know necessarily if they would get nominations. <laughs> But. I think, and the reason I ask is because, like, the best actor race is pretty weak that year. Outside, like, Dan Day Lewis won, George Clooney from Ryko Clayton, then Johnny Depp for Sweeney Todd, which I know that you love, Matt, but, like, is a he, no. weird choice. Get him out, get him out of there. <laughs> Tommy Lee get Jones for, <laughs> for In the Valley of Ella, which is a movie that you probably haven't heard of in 14 years, uh, and Viggo Mortensen for Eastern Promises. It's like the, Which he... He didn't win. He didn't win. He was nominated. He was nominated. So like, I feel like actor could have somebody could have snuck in, but I think you're right. Like Jake Gyllenhaal would be the one that would be the lead, arguably in this movie, and he just wasn't as good of a performer. Like he's good at like what the movie needs him to do, but he's not like out you know otherworldly. But the best supporting actor race that year was Javier Bardem for No Country, Casey Affleck for uh, Jesse James, Philip Seymour Hoffman, uh, Hal Holbrook, and Tom Wilkinson. What was Philip Seymour Hoffman for? Charlie Wilson's War. Mm. Which is like a mediocre movie, but But Philip Seymour Hoffman is always great. Mm -hmm. So, like, I think, yeah, I think it's, it's weird, but... I think, like, when you talk through it, you're like, I guess I could see how a lot of these would happen. And I think, like, if you think about it in terms of last year, like, there were a lot of really good movies last year that, and I'm not saying that any of them necessarily should have beaten Parasite, but it's just like, sometimes you run into a buzzsaw. <laughs> like, it's just like, yeah. Parasite is the movie. And if you released a movie last year, or two years ago, I guess now, and you were going Sorry up against Parasites. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. sucks, man. You should have held on to it for another year. Like, maybe you would have won a different Didn't you know Parasite year, was coming like, out? Exactly. It's just, and so I think, two, like, 2007 across the board is just one of those years that it's just, like, the entire movie year is just a buzzsaw. And, like, yeah. props to the ones that made it out, but Zodiac just wasn't able to do it. No. Which is, yeah, and Fincher in general isn't, like, I mean, I think he's becoming more loved now, but, like, basically, it's been Benjamin Button, Social Network, and... Mank. Mank? Wait. Yeah. Didn't he do the game? He did, yeah. Yeah, but that wasn't nominated for much. Oh, and then he... Didn't he do... uh, Oh, no, that was Christopher Nolan. I was going to say Insomnia. He did... did, uh, uh, What's the Fincher movie I'm thinking of that would have gotten acting... Uh, seven. Oh yeah, seven got some nominations. What's in the box? What's the fucking box? <laughs> yeah. Um, but this, I think, this is also maybe if we're gonna talk about Fincher's work in general, feels kind of like the nexus of all of his other styles in one movie. So it's like the real world kind of cold sarcasm that Social Network kind of has throughout um it's got like the the kind of very special lighting that like benjamin button has where it's just everything's kind of crisp and glowing uh it's a thriller it's like a very dark murder thriller which is what he specializes in um and it's just like the night 
scapes are so like foggy and spooky and like in like everything looks neon and just kind of like yeah well and lots of shadows and like thematically this movie is just about obsession <laughs> and yeah. like david fincher is an obsessive director like that's like everybody sure. knows that if you work with fincher you're putting in hundreds of takes for certain shots like he's just oh, he's a perfectionist and this movie is much. all yeah i mean that's a different conversation but like that's just that's just who fincher is and this movie is just like a perfect encapsulation of that especially jake gyllenhaal's character and especially in that final act of the movie where he like mm-hmm. becomes front and center and you just like see his full descent into the obsession of just figuring it out um so i i do think that this is like the quintessential david fincher film which is why i think that it's it has surpassed and it has come up to number one for me yeah um let's dive in then let's just talk about this movie i don't know who wants to have who wants to start with notes most of mine are like calling out specific moments or lines but I don't know if there's like one overall theme that I would tie them all together with. So uh, I, think- I just had my like oh, one of my overarching things uh, was just like, what a time to live in California. Yeah. <laughs> with this going on in Northern California and all the Manson stuff going on in Southern California, like, who boy? <laughs> yeah. I yeah I just I think. One of the things that, like, jumped out to me the first time I watched it and I think has just solidified with subsequent viewings is, like, how sprawling this is without ever feeling like it's too much, you know? Because, like, I think, like, if you... Like, this movie takes place over the course... And especially if you include the little, like, coda at the very end, this movie takes place over the course of 30 years and, like, it is a long movie, but it's not that long. <laughs> like, right. the cut that ended up getting released is a little over two and a half hours. So it's, like, they cram a lot of stuff. And <clears throat> at any given point of the movie, like, one of those three characters is, like, the main character, right? Like, you've got the whole Robert Downey Jr. arc where he's, like, the, you know, the the reporter. And then you've got the whole... Um, Mark Ruffalo, where he's, like, actually doing the investigation, and then you finally got the Jake Gyllenhaal, where he's kind of doing a little bit of both. And so mm-hmm. it's, like, there's just so many things happening in this movie, but it never, it always feels like, like, we're, we're all, like, it feels like it's along a path. Like, it never feels like we're doing any weird detours for no reason. It never feels like it's just, like, okay, this is just all, there's, there's too much going on. Like, it, it feels so weirdly cohesive, considering how massive it is yeah yeah it's very well paced yeah yeah and the passage of time is communicated in so many different ways yeah that like we get i mean for one the edits really make it clean of like mark ruffalo will be like i'm gonna go take a look at this and then the next cut is him like coming and dropping off coffee and be like okay what were you looking into and so we like just jump to when they got the information they need and it really keeps the pace going where you're like, they're always kind of moving and kinetic. In one point, like one of the edits is like, uh, like a kind of bigger, like Cadillac or like Buick crossing an intersection at night. 
and when we cut, we see a different Buick in the daytime going to the intersection. So it, like, the energy of the cut even keeps us kind of moving. So we're not seeing the end of any movement. We're just seeing, like, a continuation of this momentum. Um, But they always show those, like, two days later, two months later, next year, this year. Like, saying, like, happy birthday so that we know that, like, this is one year from that case where it was uh, Anthony Edwards' birthday. So, like, there's all these little things to make sure that you know this is going on for a long time. Uh, But, like you're saying, like, it doesn't feel like a 30-year-long process. It just feels like when there's information, they just progress. Uh, And there's so much different information. There's so much to weed through and, like, figure out what is really going on. Um, And also, like, in relation to that, like, the news and music clips that's against the black backdrop for... Um, the four years later jump, uh, which is like a unique, that does that type of like speed through of information doesn't happen at any other point. Mm-hmm. But that was a really cool way to be like all these different news stories were happening when Zodiac was still on the loose. Um, but like all these other things took the attention of the public, uh, and for those four years we didn't hear from Zodiac. So what else was? Uh, gonna be able to get done yeah um i i didn't i didn't take any notes um because i just wanted to let it wash over me again but i think along the lines it builds so well that when you get to that final hour final 30 minutes ish it's just like everything everything that led to this point was worth it um and like it's just it's a just non-stop thrill ride for like basically that entire last like chunk of the movie um the the sequence where he goes to that guy's where jake gyllenhaal goes to that guy's house like vaughn i think his name was yeah um alan vaughn or something yeah is i one of the most tense scenes I've ever seen in any movie ever. And like, I've seen it three times. I know exactly what's going to happen, but I just like, by the time I've watched everything up to that point and you get to that scene, I'm just like, every time I watch this movie, I'm just like, Oh my God. <laughs> is it, it's just a red like, herring though, isn't it? Yeah. 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 But it's, but it's so stressful in the moment because you're like, what if you were going in with one idea and then quickly heard different information that realigns the entire environment. Uh, and I think, like, I think that might be the climax of the movie. Yeah. Uh, because, like, as far as stakes and as far as tension, I think that's the highest it goes after we actually see, like, the Zodiac committing what, what he's committing. But, like, everything after that is kind of the resolution to this story. But that scene of, like that exchange and of this character that like seems very cordial and nice but then just with lighting changes and intonation the entire thing becomes sinister and terrifying yeah well and it's interesting too because the so earlier in the movie and jake gyllenhaal's first date with uh chloe sevigny um he's like oh yeah yeah melanie is that her name um Gray Smith is like, oh, yeah, Avery's going to go drive down to Southern California to meet with, uh, you know, meet with uh, somebody who's got a tip for him. 
And Melanie's like, he's just going to do that alone? Like, that seems like a really bad idea. And Graysmith's like, oh, yeah, that is a really bad idea. And then he ends up doing the same thing, <laughs> like, mm-hmm. at the end of the movie, just sure. because he's so caught up in, like, needing to solve the case that he doesn't have the second... And, like, at that point, Chloe Sevigny has, like, left him, sort of. Um, so he's, like, fully in his insanity. And so he doesn't have that, like, check against him. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, yeah, that line where... Because I, I remember the first time I watched it, when they get into that guy's house... And as soon as they walk in, the guy just immediately locks the door. I I remember thinking, like, oh, that's kind of weird. But I guess, like, I usually lock, you know, like, that's a move that I make when I first walk into my apartment. Even when the three of us lived together, I almost always just, like, walked in and locked the door. So I was was like, this seems a little weird, but I guess whatever. And then as that scene continues to play out, and then you get that line where he's like, oh, no, it's, it's his handwriting. He, he did the posters, and the guy's like, no, I did the posters. And you just have, you're like, oh, fuck. <laughs> the one piece of evidence <laughs> that you're here for. <laughs> Is, and he's clarifying it for you. Yeah. <laughs> and then, to, to like, as if that weren't tense enough, to top it all off, there's that one sort of throwaway line at, towards the beginning of the movie where they're just like, yeah, like, the, the, in one of the Zodiac letters, he mentions a basement. And not a lot of people have basements in California. And then, like, that's not really addressed at all throughout the rest of the movie. And then, after that, like, no, I do the posters. He, like, goes in and walks down into his basement. And he's like, are you coming? And I was like, don't! Don't go down there! Like, Not a lot of people have basements. Well, I do. Well, I do. And you're like, oh, fuck. (laughs) Just so terrifying. That sequence is incredible every single time. And there's... I mean, we could talk about some of the coded homosexual uh, movements that they use to, like, insinuate somebody might be guilty. What if, you know, I don't have any commentary on what that means. But the idea that, like, when we first meet um, Lee or Ashley, what is his name? Alan? Lee Lee Allen? Allen. Arthur Lee Lee Allen. Allen. Arthur Arthur Lee Lee Allen. Allen. When we first meet him... I mean, he's like, he just looks super guilty, but oh. when he crosses his leg, it's like a moment of, like, that's, like, a, a coded gay, and, like, the way he, like, expresses himself is a little, it comes off a little gay, and the same thing uh, with this Alan guy uh, who has the basement is that he is like, oh, yes, I remember that picture very well, and, like, his demeanor seems to suggest that maybe he's gay, so there's these little things that like add suspicion to people and he's so nice and cordial until he goes no i do the posters and then everything shifts and he becomes so like the tension becomes palpable and just like okay well i shouldn't take any of more of your night he's like no come down let me show you that reel just like everything becomes like oh my god Uh, yeah and then when you, like when they're done like oh go ahead i was gonna say i'd be curious to rewatch that scene and see if his demeanor actually changes or if it's the way it's presented and the fact that we know that information do you know what i mean like if he's actually yeah. being sinister or if he's just like no come down and i'll show you which is like what he's been doing that whole time but now that we know that information it's like un- like you don't want to trust him I, th- I think it's definitely the latter 
Like, I, th- I don't think, like, I don't think that guy's characterization changes at all. Yeah. But I do think that, like, the context that we now have changes how we feel about him and how we feel about the whole situation. Because, like, I mean, he does, like, he brings him down. He confirms the piece of information that Graysmith was asking. Graysmith, like, like he's a little coy about whether, like, what the noises are coming from up upstairs. But, like, Graysmith, like, runs out of the basement, grabs his shit, goes to the door. And, like, the door is locked and the guy comes back up and he's just, like, he unlocks it and lets him go. You know? So, like, I, like the yeah. guy was being nice the whole time. It's just, like... Like you said, the like the information that we now know makes us read him differently and just makes that whole sequence deeply upsetting. <laughs> but I think also if you're looking at Jake Gyllenhaal, who's like visibly shaking in front of you. Oh, yeah. You might also be playing a little bit, especially after you're like, no, I made the posters <laughs> and see him react like that. Then you're like, well, I didn't kill these people, so I'm going to make him a little scared. I'm going to like see if I can freak him out. So there might also be some of that in that character being like, hmm, okay, you think I'm the murderer? Then, like, <laughs> let me scare the shit out of you. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, Arthur Lee Allen is so obviously the person from the first time we meet him. I texted you last night, and I was just like, John Carroll Lynch is so fucking good in this movie. And, like, yeah. he's good in pretty much anything he's in. But he is just the fucking creepiest from Jump in this movie. <laughs> like, yeah. the minute he's on screen, you're just like, oh, I, I'm uncomfortable. Like, Everything's just, in the eyes. I'm just like, oh, I don't like this. <laughs> the, <laughs> like, uh, the scene of the, where they interview him at work, uh, you guys might find this amusing. So uh, I wrote it down here. Um, okay. So when they say that he is left-handed... Like, and they're interviewing him, and they're like, you're, he, he goes, I'm left-handed. I audibly said, then why do you wear your watch on your left hand? <laughs> because most people wear the watch on the non-dominant hand, and he's wearing it on his left hand. And so I was, like, hoping and praying that that was going to come back. Like, <laughs> like oh, he's, he writes left-handed, but then maybe he, like, works with his right hand or something. But it didn't, and I was so disappointed. <laughs> That's a good thing to notice, though, because that is true. It's what it would be on the opposite wrist. I yeah. like to do that uh, and pretend I'm like a detective. Back when we I used to like take the train <laughs> and like see people. The, the exasperation in your voice there just like just... <laughs> had a life. <laughs> Where you like try and pick up little like pieces to try and like I don't know figure out things about another person yeah it's just fun games you know (laughs) (laughs) fun games um but i thought i thought that was that was pretty good i had to do a lot of googling during this movie to see like how much was true yeah Mm -hmm. and it seems like most of it because it seems like it's based on his book that we see yeah. Um, there was another. Um, this was made in 2007. I didn't know that, but there's another suspect that. Um, I think it was 2014. They like reopened the case um, because someone was dying of like uh, disease, and then 
told <laughs> oh <laughs> and then told, no, I was on my way to school. and told like their friend but they said you can't do anything until i die and then they died and then it like reopened it in i don't know maybe san francisco interesting and he's like one of their top suspects because he was stationed overseas i think during the time mm. when the letter stopped who knows yeah but also ted cruz probably right i was gonna say i mean it's mostly Wait, ted really? cruz is that a thing <laughs> no oh, i mean yeah. it's like it's an internet thing <laughs> it's like ted yeah, cruz was zodiac killer yeah ted cruz was born i think in in 1970 <laughs> So, like, <laughs> like, literally was not born when these killings first started and was an actual child when most of the killings happened. So, like, it's definitely not Ted Cruz, but, like, the internet loves to say that it is Ted Cruz. And I'm, who am I yeah, he's tried to, to deny like, the internet? He's tried from... to own it. <laughs> yeah. He's tried to, like, be, like get in on the joke and everyone's like, fuck you, murderer. <laughs> <laughs> You're not funny. God, Ted Cruz You're not funny. sucks. <laughs> Sucks. Remember his beard? How could you forget? It's one of the worst things I've ever seen. I had forgotten. I've never seen the grandpa from Monsters with a beard, so I'll never. (laughs) Uh, Another note that I had was uh, when they went on that airplane. Did you guys see how fucking roomy that was? Oh yeah. Like. Robert Downey Jr. Junie, Robert Downey Jr. can like let's let's like, keep that going. Lorna <laughs> Dune and Robert Downey Jr. <laughs> I still like, do not endorse Lorna Dune, but I can get on board with Robert Downey Jr. <laughs> could he could like dance his way down that aisle back in the day before we were herded like cattle onto planes? <laughs> I also like you could hear uh, it was like an overhead cabin announcement. Where it's like smoking is reserved for the last six rows, and it was like on a fucking airplane. <laughs> Good joke. Like, yeah, yeah, okay, I might not be smoking in the first row, but I'm definitely smelling it from there. Yeah. Like, <laughs> that's so Lawless. crazy that they can smoke on planes. Like, Nuts. There, there's no air. <laughs> yeah, it's such a bad idea. <laughs> so bad, and then it just like ruins the furniture. It like yeah. had to ruin everything. Oh, gross. Um. Another, another, should I just go through these notes? Yeah, yeah, hit, yeah, hit us. Uh, one of my favorite parts of the movie is when Robert Downey Jr. says to yes. Jake Gyllenhaal, we should have a drink, and then it cuts immediately to the bar where yeah. the song just goes, Bernadette! <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was very funny. Also, his house, um, his <clears throat> boathouse, I'm pretty sure, I mean, haven't fact-checked this, but I'm pretty sure that's in Sausalito, and I'm pretty sure that house is still there, because I would walk past it along the pier. Oh, interesting. There's, like, I mean, a bunch of houseboats. just where they shot. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I don't know if it's his actual houseboat, but that the one that he lives in in the movie. <laughs> yeah. Because wow. I was like, Robert oh, Johnny my God! Junies. I've been there! <laughs> Robert yeah. Downey Jr. Robert Downey Jr. Um, and then my, uh, my, yeah. one of my last notes was just that uh, Colin has similar hair to Mark Ruffalo. A little hairstyle. I, I was thinking that. I was like, oh, do I, do I bring in a still from this movie and be like, I want the Ruffalo in Zodiac. <laughs> like, yeah. when whenever text- I decide to get my hair cut next, I'm just like this. This is what I'm going for. Do it. 
Because when you were texting us about what to do with your hair, I was like, wait until the pop, because I never watched it, and I had that in my notes. (laughs) I did the first time he came on screen, I was like, huh, okay, I think I could could make that work. Like, I am nowhere near as handsome as Mark Ruffalo is, but I think I could at least make the hair situation work for me. I think you could, yeah, you could make it work for you. Okay. You that, just... I was I wasn't fishing. Please like now I'm uncomfortable. <laughs> I think everybody would say you're as handsome as Mark Ruffalo. Nope. <laughs> Hollywood would. I've told um, you guys of when I saw him IRL. Maybe. Me? In... IRL we used to live together. We saw each other all the time. No. <laughs> <laughs> Mark Mark Buffalo. Uh Eh. No, isn't that? I cup- think we can what- do better. <laughs> what's the What's the cupcake shop from Lazy Sunday? Oh, Magnolia. Yeah, that's the one. I went into Magnolia Cupcakes because it was in Lazy Sunday, and right. he walked in, and my friend We've was all been there. trying to figure out oh, what to order, and he walked in, and I looked at him, and he just looked at me, turned around, and left. <laughs> Feels right. <laughs> Love Mark Ruffalo. What a boss. <laughs> I think I scared spotted. him away. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I didn't even register who he was, though. It was just, like, a person entering the shop. Yeah. And then I was like, and once he left, I was like, oh, that was Mark Ruffalo. <laughs> <laughs> it was pretty funny. Um, yeah, that's so cool. One of the things I you mean, mentioned. I didn't talk to him. <laughs> right, of course. <laughs> you like spotted him. It was, like, going bird watching. <laughs> <laughs> I saw um, Red Cardinal. You mentioned the, like, the quick cut to, like, we should get a drink and then just, like, being Murdered in the bar. Um, this movie, and I, I didn't notice it the first two times I watched it, but, like, this movie's not a comedy by any means, but they, they had some pretty solid humor in it. Like, there are some genuine, yeah. and I didn't write any of them down, but there were, like, I se- several <laughs> moments when, <laughs> thank you. When I was watching the movie last night and I actually like laughed out loud alone in my apartment, which is like mm-hmm. definitely not what you would think about when I'm like, oh, I'm going to watch an almost three hour movie about the Zodiac killer <laughs> wouldn't be like going to be pretty fun and light. Um, but there are moments. And I think yeah. one of them related to the one that you mentioned, Tierney, was when they like both get their first drink when they're at the bar and Robert Downey Jr. is like asking him some questions and he's like, mm-hmm. okay, we cannot go any longer without addressing that. <laughs> like, what are you drinking? And he's just like, it's an aqua velva. You wouldn't make fun of it if you tried it. And then he tries it. And then the next cut is the bartender <laughs> removing like six empty glasses from the <laughs> bar. <laughs> like very, very funny. Yeah, that was good. He's, when he's like, what do you like to do? And he's like, uh, reading, I like books. And he's like, reading books are the same thing. He <laughs> <laughs> like, laughed out loud at that line this time and wrote it down. Because it was so, reading books are the same thing. Oh, <laughs> 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 uh, And like, Robert Downey Jr. really sells every fucking line in this. Like, and unless they're written that perfectly his intonation really like nails the delivery uh but that was one where i laughed out loud hit us um, with some others um the one there's a word used in it that i don't want to say it's the r word uh, no but yeah that one did make jake me laugh too 
<laughs> when Jake Gyllenhaal's getting coffee, and he's like, "Does it bother you that uh, everyone calls you Gordy?" To the guy who like works there, and he's like, "Does it ever, does it bother you that everyone calls you the R word?" And he's like, "Nobody calls me that." <laughs> and then he goes over to Robert Downey Jr. and is like, "Robert uh, Downey Jr." <laughs> he's like, he's "Like, do people call me anything around here?" And Robert Downey Jr. is like, "Oh, like the R word?" Like, yeah, and he's like, "No." <laughs> But, like, it just has nothing to do with the Zodiac Killer, but it's about how this workplace is. And, like, Gordy, that character, like, does pop up a few times to, like, show that he's friendly with everyone in the newsroom. He's not just the one working at, like, the coffee station. Uh, But that reaction from Jake Gyllenhaal is so funny when he's like, nobody calls me that. Uh, Another Gordy moment that I just remembered that made me laugh was when, I think it's maybe the first time you meet him. But Jake Gyllenhaal has, like, a donut in his mouth. And you can kind of hear him say, like, something... Like, you can hear him ask, like, how's the coffee today? And Gordy just, like, points at a sign behind... Doesn't say anything. Not amused at all. Just points at a sign behind him. And the camera pans up. And it just says, coffee, delicious as hell. (laughs) so weird. (laughs) I did enjoy that. So sarcastic. Yeah. It's funny. The newsroom is really funny. And that's also where, I think it's in the newsroom. Or maybe it's when they're off for drinks. But when Robert Downey Jr. says, Jesus Herald Christ on rubber crutches <laughs> as a reaction to something, it's just like, yeah, he just lands it. And it's the funniest uh, exp- like expression of, uh, or uh, exclamation. Uh, yeah. Yeah. As a side note, any sort of, uh, like, Jesus or Christ performing an action mm. is always a great uh, curse phrase. Like, yeah. Christ on a bicycle is one that I've heard a bunch of times. They're always entertaining. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, oh, another funny moment was when... And this one I like rewound to like understand exactly what happened, but when Graysmith is uh, getting into the records, and uh, the guy's like, I think it's uh, Elias Cotius, yeah, is his character is yep. like, do you smoke? And he's like, one time in high school, <laughs> and it, he takes the question as like an accusation, and he's <laughs> confessing that he only smoked one time. But the actual question is, like, what can you give me as payback for giving this to you? And so as he's pa- as he's moving past, he just steals two pens from his pocket and just, go, like, gestures, like, uh, I'll take these. So just like, a lo- like, just, I'll take whatever. I'll just take your pens. Uh, but I just thought that moment was really funny, too. And another great reaction from Jake Gyllenhaal, like, I've been caught. I have smoked. It's like, nope, not interested in that. I also think uh, <clears throat> the runaround between the different like police forces is is kind mm-hmm. of funny like it's not like laugh out loud funny in the same way but it's funny in like a man police are incompetent way which is you know always always good for a laugh um, and like man maybe there should be a large police organization to like maybe keep tabs on things or not police organization, but organization to monitor the police is really yeah, a better right. way to phrase it. Yep. Yeah, maybe. So they all have different investigations going on. Yeah. Um, I think that, I wrote that down too, just like the, the 
concept that this or the theme of this movie of like coordination between multiple parties newspapers the police uh like these individuals they're all like working with pieces and like checking in with each other like the newspapers in the beginning of being like they also got this piece are they going to run it they're running it on page four we're going to run it on, on the front page and like that idea but also the the investigation of like each of them being like this is our jurisdiction you can't come here do you have this like all of this back and forth between all these different groups which was interesting yeah and i think that pays off really well too because i think graysmith has the line where he's like someone should write a book if you put all if somebody were to put all the pieces together <laughs> as opposed mm-hmm. to like you having a like some part of the information and me having some part of the information and this other person having some part and this third or a yeah, fifth person having like if one person were to just like collate all of this into one thing maybe that would get it which i mean again kind of happens mm-hmm. <laughs> like um <clears throat> out of uh yeah. Like, I don't know if it's curiosity so much, but, like, I couldn't help but, like, while watching this movie, kind of be like, I don't know, uh, like, if other societies are as obsessed with serial killers as the U.S. is. I feel like it's a a big thing here. Mm -hmm. And, like, I I don't know, I was watching it and I was just like, I mean, I thought I thought the movie did a pretty good job as far as like portraying that reality, but it's like the like I feel like the Zodiac killer in in I mean it's kind of weird to say this because it's like a real thing that happened, but in particular is a very American thing to have happened because he's like I'm gonna kill people, but I also want f- like fame from it. Yeah, <clears throat> and so that was I don't know I was just kind of like this is like. Just this con, not serial killers, but the concept of people being fascinated with serial killers is kind of fascinating. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. I think in the same way cults, like, <coughs> I, there's like this uh, obsession with how morbid and how, uh, like, how we can't imagine somebody being this calculated and cruel. And it becomes this kind of like, they become super villains. These like you know their names from all these like different ways that they murdered people. When in reality it's like it's a pretty grim, awful thing that happened, but there is this kind of like uh Yeah. I mean the 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 fact that like Hannibal has a serial killer a week, basically, was like, This is too many. But I think it's all in the same idea of like especially in this period when <clears throat> Son of Sam was happening. Zodiac, the Manson murders, like different cults that were pretty sure killings. Ted Bundy was around the same time. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Jeffrey Dahmer was only a couple decades later. I think like, just one. He was like early eighties, mm. early to mid eighties. Yeah. <clears throat> I mean, John but just Wayne the fact Gacy, that we can name these people is insane. Right, yeah, <laughs> they're all Americans too. Like, and I yeah. think other countries have had serial killers. And usually we'll make a movie about that one time we had a serial killer. But, like, America seems like it only has those narratives. Which, in some ways, to Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, I think is kind of citing that it, this perpetual cycle of, like, how famous you get <clears throat> for doing awful things. And I think it was bigger back then. But we, we have mass shootings now. Yeah. And so, like, is that the evolution of this same idea of this, like... I want to hurt a lot of people and be important uh, 
in that moment, which is awful. But, like, very American. It's a very American yeah. thing. <clears throat> Another thing is, like, do you think that the people, so, like, us and the other 330 million people, want to know more? Or do you think that we're told we should, or, like, do you think we want to know about these people? Or do you think we're told that we should know about these people? So, like, do you think it's a demand, or is it, like, the people demanding it? Or do you think it's the people are being supplied it by the culture? I guess that's one and the same. But it's basically, like, no, the media. I think yeah. if we're told that, some, that three people were brutally murdered, you're going to want to know how and why so that you don't get brutally murdered, even though right. you don't have a lot of control over that. But, like... <laughs> The idea is, like, the media perpetuates violent me- news. Like, right. a lot of nice things happen every day, but that's not what the news is about. Why is the news about death and murder? Because, because that's it makes what... people scared, and it makes people tune in the next night. Yeah. I was going to say, because it sells. <clears throat> yeah, it's Network, and it's Nightcrawler. It's all these movies that are about how the media propagates on tragedy and on disaster. The fact that this newspaper is, like, running articles to, like, keep up with it is also kind of part of it. That was media back then. And, and they're kind of like to know what was going on. in cahoots together. Like, mm-hmm. the Zodiac Killer doesn't exist without the, the Chronicle. And, like, for a while, like, the Zodiac Killer was the Chronicle. Like, it's a symbiotic relationship. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I was uh, just like, this is... It, we don't have to go down this tangent for too long. <laughs> but I was no, just like, this I mean, is really interesting. And like, even though it's a period piece, like it doesn't take place. It wasn't made in the seventies. Like not much has changed. <laughs> no. Yeah. Yeah. I think there's, yeah, there's just an outlet for, uh, fear. Mm-hmm. And I think serial killers really got to the heart of people's fears in this time of like, Especially a lot of these, like, Son of Sam and Zodiac killed lovers. Like, people that were together, isolated. <clears throat> which adds to this kind of urban legend quality to a lot of these stories of, like, lovers' lanes and people getting brutally murdered. But, like, it's real. Like, these were real things that were happening. And, like, families were haunted by this these deaths. Um, but, uh, where? Yeah, I don't know if I know who Son of Sam is. He was in New York, uh, and he was, like, a serial killer that was murdering uh, <coughs> lovers. My parents were very afraid. Uh, my mom was afraid <laughs> when they were dating because Son of Sam was loose, and she was like, oh, my God. He's going to come to Chicago and kill yeah. us. <laughs> yeah, who knows? Maybe copycat killers, though, because copycat yeah. killers were a thing of everyone just being like, I, too, will also be a serial killer. Um and confuse these investigations. But, yeah, I think it's fair to say it's an American thing. Um, I mean, yeah. Especially for, like, what they were doing, which was, like, code-breaking. It's like, why... This is this, These are demented individuals. They have a lot of time on their hand to, like, really take specific revenge on the society they feel wronged them. Yeah. Um, but... Dirty Harry, I think, is about the Zodiac. Yeah, yeah. I'd forgotten. Which I like inspired was... by. <clears throat> yeah, which is interesting because I forgot until it was in this movie, and I was Same. like, "Oh right, I learned that Dirty Harry is like based around it." 
So it's interesting that they go to that movie. And also, in that moment when Graysmith introduces himself to Toski, that's the first time they meet, and it's so surprising that it's that deep in the movie. We're like, oh, I guess you never really met. You were like a peripherally near the investigation at the Chronicle, but you weren't actually like in the room talking with Avery and him. So that was a real cool moment of like, oh, now you two know each other. Now you two can meet. I also, they follow up to that when they meet again after the four years later time jump. Uh-huh. <laughs> He's like, we met at the movies once. <laughs> and Toski's like, it must have been a magical time. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Such a good line. <laughs> yeah. Um, oh, and in reality, uh, like in reference to reality, the small plot point that I didn't even realize until I rewatched it this time was that Armistead Maupin accuses Paul Avery, uh, or not Paul Avery, uh, Toski, of writing the letter that was sent to the newspaper because apparently, and this is all real, Armistead Maupin, who wrote Tales from the City and, like, the sequel that is now on Netflix, but, like, a very, like, important gay um, novel about San Francisco at this time, had written a character based on Toski, supposedly, and Toski liked it so much that he, like, kept anonymously encouraging him to put him back in the story. Oh! And so he suspected that Toski did that to the Chronicle by writing these anonymous letters, and that's where this whole investigation starts. But it's it's that author in real life that, like, accused him publicly that he thought this this investigator was pretending to be the Zodiac. There, and there's like a line to the yeah i never understood what that was referencing yeah, i was just like okay whatever and i was like fine to roll with it but i did not yeah. realize the context behind it that's interesting yeah. that was one thing i googled i googled him specifically and in his like career the bottom of armistead Maupin's is like and also he publicly accused uh, <laughs> Toski. other notes you're like oh yeah and, and, like, and this the events are depicted in the movie zodiac but like that's what jude and Rayfield is talking about when she's on the phone with Graysmith when she was like he like liked this character and like wrote all these things but now that made him suspect that he's the one um so that was like an interesting thing too of like oh that's a weird real world connection that like this famous San Francisco author accused somebody who's a character in this movie of being the Zodiac well that Um, guy's real right right oh okay but like (laughs) but like a main character of this movie is affected by a character that like Truman Capote or like some right. other famous author yeah. ha- like changed the direction of his life. Um, yeah, but I thought that was interesting too. Um, I'm just going to rattle through some stuff because we don't have a ton of time. So, Go for it. Um, here's just some shout outs to people that popped up in this. Oh, yeah. One, right in the beginning, Minkus slash Mouth. <laughs> yeah. Minkus from Boy Meets World who grew up to be Mouth from One Tree Hill is the boy in the first scene that's in the car that gets shot in the face. Oh my um, god. Yeah. It's Minkus. That's and, Minkus. And he comes back later as Jimmy Simpson. As Jimmy Simpson. <laughs> at the very end. Which I also this time really acknowledge that like how bookended that is. That yes. like he's the first person we really meet and he's the last person that we really are with in the story. And and kind of how his his identification could have 
solved a lot of problems if it had happened sooner, but it happened 30 years later. Yeah. And I think that that, that bookend that you're talking about is made even sweeter with the soundtrack, the needle drop. Cause mm-hmm. both of those, like as he's getting shot, oh, right. the hurdy gurdy man song, like, cause it's, it's in the background of that scene. Like you can tell that it's like the, what's on the radio in their car. But as soon as the, as soon as like Zodiac starts shooting, it, like right. and I can it's diegetic and what's the other one? I can never keep them diegetic. Yeah, I can yeah. never keep them. But like one of them is one, and then it becomes the other thing. But then at the very end of the movie, when he's like, when he's like, no, it's definitely this guy. The credits are set to Hurdy Gurdy Man over again. Great catch, Great which is catch. awesome. And like I was not familiar with that song until this movie, but that song's a banger. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but yeah, this shout out time to... time period had some pretty fucking good music. Yeah. Especially... Mm-hmm. There were some great needle drops in this. Yeah. One of my, like, recommended uh, Spotify playlists that's, like, always poking at me, probably because I listen to it, is it's, like, Laurel Canyon. Oh, it's just, fuck mm, yes. Holy it's shit. It's so good. <laughs> yeah, that's incredible. <laughs> it's basically just, like, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, yep. this, like, all that music it's fantastic yeah that sounds awesome (laughs) yeah um in relation to jimmy simpson who was in the movie stay alive that horror movie i watched a couple weeks ago another person in this movie was also in the movie stay alive and that's adam goldberg who is perpetually in everything as a minor character but appears and is the same character every time Adam Goldberg being like, yeah, uh, yeah, thanks for, yeah, sure, yeah, okay. And that's his whole character. Um, but he popped up in this as the replacement for Paul Avery. And I was like, oh shit, it's Adam Goldberg. And then I saw Jimmy Simpson and I was like, they were in, this, they were in the same movies around this time. How cute. Um, <laughs> um, uh, shout out to Brian Cox, who looks incredible in this movie. Just so fucking dope. <laughs> like, and he's like, I really like that show you were in Star Trek. And he's like, oh, thank you very much. I thought it was very good. I loved the writing. And I was like... He looks great, character. and his character is incredible. Yeah. <laughs> like, I think he's reaching out to me. Uh, <laughs> like, he's just, like, somehow got looped into the Zodiac Killer. And is just, like, living it up. <laughs> like, yeah. When he's doing, like, the dramatic reading of the letter that got sent yeah. while he was on vacation. Yeah. And Toski's just sitting there like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> amazing. Amazing yeah. Brian Cox performance. And a great circle back of when uh, Graysmith goes to the house and is waiting to see him. And the... Um, like housekeeper is like, oh, I took that call. Yeah, and it, she said he said it was his birthday, and you're like, oh shit, that you was, got your information. That was really cool. I really liked the way that they did that, where like all of the cops were trying to help him out, but they couldn't actually help him out, so they just kept like giving him just enough of the breadcrumbs, and he just was able to like do all the crazy shit that he needed to do. I thought that was really well done. Yeah. yeah. Um. All right. Yeah, I'm just going to go through... Oh, just the delivery of information, too, of, like, in that opening scene with Minka's mouth. Uh, where, like, <laughs> is that, where he's like, is that your husband? And you're like, oh, interesting how that changes who these two are to each other. Yeah. Not, like, teenage lovers. She's married. Interesting that that's part of it. Um, I thought she was, like, 16 at first. She looks like a baby. Yeah. She is well, Which maybe. She's young. And it's. I think it's also interesting, too, because... You like in the moment what you're watching the beginning of the movie, 
you're like, oh, maybe it is her husband. And she, like, kind of plays it off like it's not, but she's just kind of creeped out anyway, which is a totally normal thing. But then towards the end of the movie, when you get that piece of information that, like, she, like, she probably knew who killed her. Like, she probably knew Zodiac. You're like, oh, like that first mm-hmm. scene plays totally differently. Like she oh, probably you can didn't tell think that she knows who that person is. Yeah, exactly. But like you, mm-hmm. when you're watching it the first time, you don't necessarily like. You can tell that she knows, but you don't necessarily oh, yeah. think that you know. Like you think about it slightly yeah. differently. But like I think when you have the context of the like the final pieces of the movie, it that scene plays a little bit differently, which I think is really yeah. interesting, especially on like repeat viewings. The Speaking to that scene, and I think, like, all the other murder scenes, which almost should be, like, oh. mentioned briefly in each of their own existence, of, like, that first scene, great tone setting, like, very tense hook, very scary and brutal and, like, yeah. visceral. Um, the next murder that we see is the Napa scene, which is, like, vivid, and maybe the standout, like... yes mental image that you take away from Zodiac is this like very bright golden lake of these two very well-dressed like clean college student lovers and just this terrifying hooded gunman who just stabs them in the broad daylight broad daylight with no like other noise really happening it's just like a brutal scene and each of these murder scenes I think because of how clean the edits are, where you're just kind of, like, rolling with the news team and, like, going from room to room and place to place and, like, they're ordering a drink and the next cut, they're already done. That when these are interrupted, when these murders are, like, introduced, they're different settings, they're different people, and you're like, oh, no. Yeah. Oh, this is going to be, this is going to be bad. And so every time that it happens that you're not with one of the three leads you know that it's going to be something bad. And so, like, that leads into the taxi shot, which, like, the camera... The aerial shot? Oh. Yeah. Which is just, like, a cool, like, technical aspect. It's just, like, taking that turn and having the camera stay exactly where it is, but the entire frame moves around it. Yes. Just thought it was so cool. And, like, that's a pretty minor murder of, like, the ones that are really big for the Zodiac case. But, like... All, that is even given its kind of specific touch to make it memorable um, and different and kind of unsettling. And then you have uh, the attempted murder. Which oh, is, baby. Yeah. Oh. But like, <laughs> I'm sorry. Why would you pull over? Why? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, I don't. We we learned in driver's ed that you don't even have to pull over for an unmarked squad car you can call the police and have them send a squad like a like a marked car and so i i will never pull over for anybody yeah no way especially how terrifying though to have somebody be like oh something's broken i can fix it and then moments later that breaks and you're like oh my god well yeah and i caught it this time if you're paying attention you could like you can tell that he's loosening it like as you're watching it like the camera you see him like, the camera shows the side view mirror, so you can see what he's doing, and, like, you can see that he's loosening it. And but so, in like, the at- mirror, it looks like he's tightening it. Right, right. Mm. But, like, it's you, if you're paying attention, you can see, like, oh, okay. Yeah. I see what's going on. Yeah. Uh, I didn't know you had a baby. 
more Does that matter the more the merrier it's so fucking creepy and then when i'm gonna it, throw your baby out of the window when it cuts back to like so you're like you're, you're like it, it fades to black and then it comes comes back with like a different person driving a car coming up on a scene and like she pulls and you're just like oh god what's like is she coming up on like a murder scene like what's going on and you see the woman is just screaming about her baby and you're like oh fuck did like she bail but leave the kid in like what's going on yeah. like that whole sequence is so upsetting yeah. yeah and just passing that gas station and being like oh fuck oh my god it's the same feeling that we get when jake gyllenhaal is in that guy's house yeah and we're like oh no oh no 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 you gotta get out of there yeah um but yeah that's i think that's like the last big murder or like attempted yeah. murder right yeah we don't get many after that which i think in some regards makes the movie not feel quite as violent later on because mm-hmm. it really is just putting pieces together which is interesting because then that climax really does kind of be like it's not that thrilling it's like very tense but there's no big climax there's no like shootout or anything because that's not how it happened in the real world mm-hmm. so like it is just kind of this like just resignation to like it happened and we probably know who did it but there's nothing that we can do right now to like make it happen um the also yeah uh, to jump back to an older note the passage of time uh and the way they do that the building of the yes famous tower in san francisco and the fact that we see the entire thing from base to top to glow like to that top glowing to show that like we have now passed the amount of time that it took to build this building into completion and this is where we are now without explicitly saying like five years later and then showing the skyline different just another clever touch and a beautiful shot of watching the cranes like work this pyramid up to the top yeah um speaking of that was a really good when you guys come to chicago there's some new buildings oh really yeah interesting that skyline that skyline is growing uh also is that millennium tower is that the one that they were building i think Uh, that's the name of it i can't remember the name yeah because that Um, building is not doing too hot oh really (laughs) oh there's like a millennium tower i don't know which one that is but there's a huge crack along it because it's on a fault oh no oh yeah (laughs) Like that, it's not structurally. San Francisco used to, this is a complete side note, but they used to have some sort of like clause where you couldn't build higher than a certain amount of stories, but then builders found loopholes. And so now you have a downtown area full of skyscrapers, but San Francisco has had like earthquakes that level it. Yeah. (laughs) It's it's a disaster. Uh, This is not. It's the Transamerica Pyramid. Okay. So is not the, the building, Millennium Tower. Yeah, is, is the building that's yeah. that's constructed in, in the movie. Millennium Tower is tilting and sinking, though, so yeah. you're right about that. Trill. Um, <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. In, Mar- in May 2016, residents were informed the main tower was both sinking and tilting, yep. resulting in several lawsuits concerning repair costs and whether the tilt had been withheld from buyers. It's really <laughs> bad. Yikes. Like there should That's not be tall. Scary. There should be, not be tall buildings in San Francisco. Yeah. 
Like, just stick to your smaller buildings and maybe, I don't know, live somewhere else. (laughs) (laughs) Bay Area is so big. So big. That you can just Um, go somewhere else. mm Mm-hmm. But yeah, San Francisco. Smaller buildings, please. (laughs) Um... (laughs) I only have a couple more things. One is just that it's fun that Mysterio, Iron Man, and Hulk are all in a movie. Oh, that is fun. Aww, adorable. Just kissing. Just kissing each other. Um, and that's funny because, like, Iron Man and Hulk kind of have, like, a, a genius relationship with each other. Yeah. Mysterio uses Stark technology, and so they were all kind of... Oh, my God. Anyway, <laughs> Wait, at least in the Mysterio? movie. Jake Gyllenhaal. He's, the He's in the, yeah. the most recent oh. Spider-Man movie. The... The one that oh, came out. Oh, I saw that one. Yeah. yeah. Forgot. Yeah, you're um, oh, the re- I wrote down reading at a gun range, and I forget why. But just, like, <laughs> that scene I think is funny. Of him yeah. Reading and Robert Downey Jr. just, like, shooting the bottom of the target. Like, shaking and very not good at shooting a gun. Um, That's what makes the whole thing with Melanie even funnier when he's like, well, he's got a gun. As he's like, oh, yeah. he, can't, he can't shoot it. And he's like, the reason he's late for their date is because he was at the gun range. It's like, what? Yeah. Why were you there? And he's like, oh, no, it's because, you know, Paul Avery is has is getting his life threatened. It's fine. It's all chill. It's all above board. It's like, yeah. is that above board? Uh, yeah. And then the very last thing that I thought was a smart edit was that we see that Graysmith's life is going really well. Chloe's seven years with him. They've got kids. And then the next scene we see is him going to visit Paul Avery, who's like at the bottom of the barrel. Like, life has been ruined by this case and like how it's made him like sink into drinking. Uh, and the, the difference in their lives is so clear just from that, just from how close they're shown together. But he lives on a houseboat. That's pretty cool. I mean, yeah. I'm sure he would agree. Speaking of people who'd be completely unaffected by the earthquake. Yeah. Paul Avery's yeah. house. <laughs> Maybe by tsunami, though. I don't know that you'd have a tsunami. I was going to say, I don't think that's much of an issue on... I'm pretty <laughs> sure... Pretty... I'm going to look it up, but I'm pretty sure it goes through the land right there. Well. Stand by. Um, I do think, like... It's interesting, you know, we talked a little bit about how each character kind of has their their chunk of the movie where they're, like, the main character. Um, mm-hmm. But, like, Paul Avery, like, really falls off the map. Uh, but it is fun that he keep, he pops up a couple times towards the end, including yeah. one where he's at the bar <laughs> drinking, smoking, and just has his oxygen mask <laughs> And so yeah. he, like, takes, takes a drag from his cigarette, exhales, and then puts the oxygen mask over his face. It's like, oh, oh, how the mighty have fallen. <laughs> how did you figure it out? I just went to the library a lot. Hmm. Hmm. Library. So I'm looking at this vault map, guys, and there, I was thinking it was just the San Andreas, but there's, like, six vaults. <laughs> Going right through it. But, uh... There, it does cross. It crosses uh, the Pacific from like. It doesn't in San Francisco. It's actually just to the left of it, so it's it, it is in the ocean. 
But Sausalito's like sheltered around the peninsula. Sausalito. I love Sausalito so much. Sausalito. Um, do you have anything else, Matt? Nope, those were all my notes. Do we want to just talk a, all my notes. a little bit about the, the end? Because I think the end is really... Like, I don't have a lot to say about it, but I do think it's, like, a really fascinating ending. Go for um, it. Just, like... He, there's that sequence in the diner where he's, like, finally put everything together. Mm-hmm. And... And Mark Ruffalo... Toski's like... Good job. Like, like, and he, like, genuinely is like, thank you. Like, thank you for doing this. Like, thank you for freeing me of this burden that I wasn't actively working on anymore because I was taken off the case. But, like, thank you for doing all this thing, you know? And, like, I, so I think that's really interesting. But then, like, all we get of a resolution to that is um, Graysmith just shows up at an Ace Hardware store <laughs> and just, mm. like has that stare down with um, Arthur Lee Allen and then it it cuts to black and we never see any of those characters again. And it's and just like... that's what, when he's talking to Chloe Sevigny, yeah. she's like, what is it going to be? What is it going to take? And he's like, I want to look at him in the eyes and know that it's him. And he gets to do that. That's like what that scene is. Yeah. With no words. And that's the climax. That's the end. <laughs> yeah. I, I just, it's like such a such a bold choice for a movie like this, you know, for like a a movie that is so much about like getting to the bottom of what's going on. You know, most movies like that have a sequence where like the person who is like is caught and, or like is apprehended or at least is like accused of it, you know, like, Mm -hmm. um, and that one, it's just like, it's a, yeah, it's a totally silent sequence. And yeah. And then it's, and then basically the movie's over. We do get that like small little coda, with our boy Jimmy Simpson. Yeah. But that's it. And I think, like, it's just, it's, I think that's just a really fascinating choice for this type of movie. Agreed. And because what else do you do? <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's an unsolved murder. Right. Like, spree. <laughs> um, so, yeah, that was it. I just wanted to talk a little bit about that because I think it's, it's an interesting note to end the movie on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's Zodiac. We did Zodiac. We did it. We did um, it. Tattoo ideas. Categories. The code, like, I mean, you would look like a psychopath. I know, that's yeah. what I was yeah. going to say. You like, get the there drinks. one obvious answer to this question, but I can't ever do it. <laughs> it's, yeah. it's the A symbol. full back tap of the, <laughs> of the like, cryptology? Yeah, just like... Yeah. I should say violent psychopath, because not all psychopaths are violent. But... Yeah, I mean, you would look like you love the Zodiac Killer, yeah. or love Ted Cruz. Not the, the yeah. <laughs> not the vibe I'm going for. Yeah, no. You I like the your... blue fruity drinks. Yeah, the the I like that. Aqua Velva. The Aqua Velvas. That's a fun. That's Aqua a fun Vulva. alternate. <laughs> oh. Mm. <laughs> yeah. I drink that up. Um, this is an oh audio medium. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, That's listener. Why I made that slurping sound. They didn't deserve um, that. Yeah, there's not much else you could get considering this is about a serial killer that was real. Um, yeah. Like a terrifying one would be him with the black bag <laughs> on his head. But just a terrifying image, which is also going to be the poster image for this week's episode. So. God you know, bless. <laughs> um, like yeah. Grace, Grace Smith's drawing of him? No, of like. 
It just looks like an artist rendering of that oh. outfit, that getup. Yikes. <laughs> um, but, yeah, so those are tattoo ideas. Probably going to pass on getting a tattoo of this movie. Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> but nothing against this movie. <laughs> just everything right. against, I don't want to look like I support the Zodiac Killer. <laughs> right. <laughs> Yeah, and it just happens so easily sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> um, would you guys spend time on this film set? Hell yeah. Yeah. Probs. I'd love to see this one. I'd be a little bit scared, though. I'm not going to lie. I think I would be terrified to be on any Fincher film set. Oh, I meant, it. like, given the content. No, no, no. I know what you meant. I was just saying. That I was yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think there's just, like, so many fantastic scenes with fantastic actors that like yes i would absolutely love to be a fly on that wall yeah and you get to hang out in san francisco most of the time fine yeah that mm-hmm. sounds great um would you guys watch this movie on an airplane probably not yeah i would say no it's it's so long that i don't want to commit to one movie for a, a plane ride that i've already seen uh and it's a lot of it is just like kind of slow moving, so I think I'd get distracted easily. I think I agree. I probably wouldn't because it's long, but not for the reason that you're like. Mm-hmm. If I'm gonna watch this movie, I want to watch this movie in one sitting because I think it does build so much that I want to be able to finish the movie. And I'm rarely on a flight that's three, you know, long enough that I could watch this movie from start to finish. Yeah, and technically, it's only two hours and forty two minutes. There are longer movies, but basically it's three hours. Yeah. It's, it's I wouldn't just hours. because I don't need more anxiety on it. Yeah, you don't need you fair. don't need that energy in your life. Yeah, that's I don't need to be thinking about getting murdered when I'm trying not to die. <laughs> yeah. But I mean you do want to think about how much doper flying was in the seventies. <laughs> like, Damn, I'm on this stupid can. <laughs> flying through the air. They got leg room back then. Bring oh, back but Pan they, Am. I'd rather, I'd rather have a non-smoking plane. Oh, well, yeah, point. duh. Than, than have ample leg room, although I am, like, pushing it. <laughs> I, I remember going to, like, when we would eat out as a family and go to, like, TJ Fridays or Olive Garden and have to request the non-smoking section. And my mom was like, as far oh, yeah. from smoking as possible, please. And it would always be a thing that we had to think about. And then, like, whenever that law got passed that, like, you can't smoke indoors anymore. I she think was it like, was 2008. Oh. Yeah. That long? It was yeah. six or eight. Wow. I thought it was, like, early 2000s. But, yeah, my mom was so relieved because she was like, well, then I guess I don't have to ask anymore because everything's smoking free now. <laughs> Milwaukee my world. or Wisconsin didn't do it until, I think, 2000, beginning of 2011. No. Beginning of 2010 because my first year and a half of college mm. when I was going to bars, you'd come home and your clothes would reek. Honestly... The like the dive bar that we went to in college, which was like walking distance from our frat house, was just smoke all the time, and like, yeah. like I was never a smoker. <laughs> but yeah, like you would go into the bar, you'd go to Duffy's, and then you like whatever clothes you wore to Duffy's, you just can't wear them again until you wash them yeah. at least twice. Yeah. Um, I will say I don't. I was never a smoker. 
and I don't want to go back to the world where that's, like, a thing. But every once in a while, like, I went to Duffy's at one point somewhat recently, and, like, you can't smoke there anymore. And I was like, oh, this is it's a little bummer. It's a little, like it's, like, it's still a gross dive bar, but it's not quite the same as what I, like, the nostalgia factor wasn't quite there for me because I didn't reek of cigarettes. Yeah, like, oh, there's ozone now. <laughs> yeah. Oh. yeah. I have asthma, asthma, so sure. I definitely preferred to be able to go out and breathe the next day. Yeah. My yeah. brother also has asthma, so that was the major qualifier. Like, <laughs> seat us basically in the kitchen if that's farthest from. Me. <laughs> um, I yeah, I don't think we need to talk anymore about awards nah. type stuff. Um, I think we. I feel like that's well trod. Mm-hmm. Um. I I do one other like related thing that I just want to mention. I texted Matt. Um, Sight and Sound does a poll every ten years. It's a um, BFI British Film Institute uh, a, magazine. A Biffy, a Biffy, if you will. Um, they do a a poll every year or every ten years. Um, they do two. There's one that's just like critics, and then there's one that's directors, and it's like the best, the hundred best movies of, of all time. And everybody's like, I believe the way it works is everybody submits their top 10 and then they create the overall list based on how many times a certain movie was mentioned. Um, but our, our beloved director Bong, Bong Joon-ho, uh, was the one director who put Zodiac in his top 10 on the 2012 list. Um, so first of all, bless him for that. And second of all, I'm very curious to see if anybody else puts Zodiac on their list uh, in 2022. Because I feel like this is a movie that is only getting better with time. So. Um, that's it. That's Zodiac. What have you guys been up to this week? Like mm-hmm. nothing. <laughs> yeah, busy stuff. Um, we finished uh, season one of Promised Neverland, the anime that I was watching. Really good ending. Season two is only on Hulu and only uh, subtitled. But still pretty good maybe moving too fast um apparently they like skip a bunch of stuff that was better developed in the mangas i don't know about the mangas but apparently (laughs) people are in a titter about it because it like changes a bunch of big stuff so watch that watched episode one of hunters on amazon prime is that the al pacino one Mm -hmm. and logan Uh, lerman your boy and my boy logan lerman i love logan (laughs) um uh great pilot very tense very cool um do i mean it's robert what? do al pacino's clothes that's fit it him? that was my question beautifully fitted suits like lovely oh, wow. lovely cuts he looks like a million bucks are you serious so they finally tailored to his yeah. shrink ray and to be honest <laughs> or they uh-huh. found the reverse shrink ray one of the yeah, two they're like, yeah. they're like oh shit we years, fucking found it, it just they listened in to the our pub and they were like oh fuck we gotta do something about this yeah. <laughs> uh but yeah very tense very uh well made and uh feels kind of like kingsman oh interesting um, Kingsman meets Inglorious Bastards meets, like, I don't know. It's like, it's it, like, takes the subject matter seriously, but really is stylized in, like, a really cool way. Um, and the pilot episode's an hour and a half, so it feels like this kind of movie. Mm. And then you get introduced to the world. But, uh, oh, and Dylan Baker. Everyone's 
like basically the Adam Goldberg of movies of, <laughs> of Dylan Teeth. Baker just popping up and things being like, I'm a villain in this. Um, I love Dylan Baker. <laughs> yeah, he's like, he's a pretty awful in this, uh, which is great because that's when he shines. When he can like act like most like a lizard. Um, <laughs> did I watch anything else? Oh, I watched a couple uh, a couple more episodes of uh, Winter Soldier and or Falcon and the Winter Soldier. It's 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 good. It's it's pretty it's pretty interesting, and I think I like it more than WandaVision as a television show. As like feels like a show. No, I feel like WandaVision felt like webisodes were like mini episodes like because there was like no actual plot it was like conventions and so most of wandavision is just like having fun with conventions but as far as what it is as a show it was i feel like pretty odd there were cool things but odd this one feels more like an episodic and i I know other people say it feels like a movie but it still feels like a traditional narrative I agree that it's 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 narrative. It's way more narrative than WandaVision was, but I disagree that it's a TV show. <laughs> like this okay. well, literally feels like a movie that they just broke up into smaller parts because it's too long to release as one giant thing. Like I don't feel like any episode cuz I think if you like I think if you like Lost is a is a good example, I think, um uh-huh. where it's like it's super serialized. Like, you have to watch every... Ep- I mean, you don't have to, but, like, at certain points, you, you want to watch every episode of Lost because, it, like, it builds. But each episode does tell its own contained story. Right. Um, and I don't feel like Falcon and the Winter Soldier does that. Like, each episode has a start and has an end, but I don't feel like it's a thematic, like, It, it feels collection. like 24. Th- it feels like 24 to me. That might be. Yeah, I never watched 24, but that... Sounds right. Yeah. You watch 24, the legacy continues or whatever. <laughs> I did. Legacy. Yeah, because of uh, Corey Marshall, Corey something, the dude from Straight Outta Compton and other things that I really like. Um, yeah. Oh, he's also he's... in uh, In the Heights, which is coming out soon. Oh, shit, you're right. He plays Benny. Get excited, so, y'all. Early reviews of that have been great, so. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Oh, yeah, I think that's all I've watched. Uh... Are you guys familiar with Ben Meckler? Is like nah. he does something like he works in Hollywood. He's a writer or a director or something. He does something in like the movie or TV industry, but he's kind of like made uh, himself known on Twitter for like jokingly spoiling movies before they come out. Mm. <laughs> and so like he'll tweet something that is like clearly not true about a movie, but then like the cottage industry of like early buzz posts will like include his tweet. (laughs) It's it's so funny, but he had one about in the Heights where he was like, I thought the time travel was weird. Like it just seemed like a weird way to shoehorn the Hamilton characters in, but overall it worked for me. (laughs) I was like, yes, Ben Meckler, keep this going. Thank you. (laughs) Very funny. What have have you been up to this week? T girl. Um, I finished uh, what I talk about when I talk about running by Haruki Haruki Murakami. Um, uh, I don't. He runs a marathon every year. Wow, which is a a lot. And he wrote this book. Probably, I have to go, but I think he was like fifty-five or sixty. My God. And he ran an ultra marathon. 
Nope. And he's like, by mile 43, I started to really, like, feel burnt out. And I was like, oh, (laughs) barf everywhere. (laughs) Uh, But it was interesting. I mean, like, reading about something someone else loves is um, interesting. Because he's like, it's very, like, uh, meditative for him. Mm. And I was like, man, that'd be great to be, have running be meditative. Um, But yeah, so I enjoyed that. And then I also finished A Paragon by Colin McCann. And that was, that's probably one of the best books I've read in a while. Oh. Um, It's like, just like beautifully written. And at first I was like, I think I hate, I listened to it. I was like, I think I hate the structure of this because it's all like really short, like really short chapters going up to 500 and then you have a thousand and one and then they go back down from 500. So it's like a pyramid. And I was like, I was like, just why do you keep breaking it up? Just like (laughs) do it normal. Um, But it, it ends up there's like a lot of diverging paths that come back and it is for the most part true um and it i don't know if i've told you guys what it's about (laughs) um but it's about the israeli-palestinian conflict and Um, mm. follows two men both who lost their daughters one is a palestinian man one is an israeli man and um kind of goes through like their backgrounds and then what happened to their daughters and then like just the general and that's where like the tangents are great because like if like they go into there's one where you go into like several chapters on how a rubber bullet is made um but it all comes back around so it's like it it paints a very vivid picture is basically what i'm saying um so would recommend it's a, a long book but i think it's i thought it was really good nice would recommend. I think it was a man <coughs> nomination. Mm. Oh. Let me investigate. A paragon nice. is a infinitely sided uh, shape, which I did not know. Mm. Hmm. Yeah. Um, I have not been up to too much this week. Uh, I did finally finish Deadwood, which was a show that oh. I started watching last year. <laughs> watch it's a three season show i watched two and a half seasons and then just like stopped for some reason not because the show was bad i just like something else came up and then i just never got around to picking it back up again uh but i finally finished it and it's like generally regarded as like one of the best tv shows of all time like it's definitely in that like mad men breaking bad sopranos wire conversation I definitely think of the ones that I haven't seen the Sopranos, but of the ones that I've seen, I definitely think it's the weakest of those. Um, but it is really good. Um, and I also, the, the movie finally, so like the series was canceled in 2006 and then there was like always like talk of people wanting to do like a movie or mini series on HBO to try and like tie up the story, but it never happened. And then finally it did happen 13 years later and so I watched the movie as well. And, like, uh, calling it a movie is <laughs> <it's> pretty rough. 
because I, I don't think if you were to just like sit down and throw on that, like, I don't know if you would, but like, I don't, if a person were to just like, oh, Deadwood, this is a thing that's on HBO. Let's watch this movie. I, I don't think it would make any sense. Like, it's all like references to things that happened in the show. <laughs> and like, it picks yeah. up with like storylines that were prominent at the end of the third season. <laughs> so it's like, just a super finale. Yeah, it's basically yeah. just like uh, a TV special <laughs> that you know was two hours long, so they called it a movie. But having said that, if you're if you've put in the thirty six hours of homework, it's very satisfying. Uh, there's like Good to know. there were several moments where I was like cheering. Um, <laughs> so yeah, again. I, it is a good show. I do think it's like worth your time. I just I don't think it's quite as good personally as some people make it out to be. But that was fun to finally like cross that off. Yeah. Um, Congrats. You did it. And then I I'm gonna next probably by the time we record our next pod I will have seen the Snyder cut. Oh God. And good luck. Godspeed. Because I truly hate myself. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to rewatch the entire Snyderverse leading up to. Including both versions of Batman vs. Superman and both versions of Justice League. God. Again, because I truly hate myself. But I've got it, like, another week before the... I got my second dose the other day. I've got another week before that fully kicks in. So I'm like, you know, I'm stuck at home. Things are still shitty. Might as why well not, make why it not worse. Just, yeah, why not just, like, lean into it? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Awful. Uh, but all that is to say, I watched rewatch Man of Steel, and that movie's pretty bad. I mean, it, it's just boring. Like, it's just nothing. That is movie that is the nothing. one where they CGI off his mustache? No, that's the the Joss Whedon version of Justice oh. League. Okay. But yeah, same same version of Superman, but not that particular movie. Um, his lips are fine in Man of Steel. Yeah, that movie is, is <laughs> that mostly so nothing. <laughs> I never <laughs> watched the movie, but it's so funny. Yeah, you don't need to watch the movie. Also, I don't need what, to watch the movie, but I will. So. What did he have the mustache for? Because that was a good movie. Uh, Mission like. Impossible. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it was, it it was, was Mission Impossible movie. Fallout, which was a good movie. <laughs> I mean, I still, uh, after I said it, I was, was like, like, God, I hope I'm not going to embarrass myself here. <laughs> yeah, no, 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 no. yeah, you were right. Um, yeah. And Paramount was just like, no, he can't shave his mustache nope. for you. And they were like, I guess we'll just take it off. And it's like, oh boy. You didn't do enough. So bad. Um, so bad. But one thing that struck me, I haven't rewatched Man of Steel in a while, but because I watched the Matrix trilogy earlier this year, <laughs> the final fight sequence between Superman and General Zod is basically the exact same as the final fight sequence between Neo and Agent Smith. It's just one happens during the day and the other one happens at night. <laughs> But like, punching. they're just CGI punching each other in the middle of the air and sometimes flying through buildings. <laughs> it's just mm-hmm. so boring. And I don't Entire give a buildings shit. Like, going in half and falling over. It's so fucking stupid. At least in the Matrix, it's like, there aren't any humans around. Like, they're all right. just, like, duplicate copies of Agent Smith. So it's like, okay, I don't really care if this building falls on a bunch of people. <laughs> so, yeah. Like, in Man of Steel, it's just like, why is this happening? <laughs> And we, like, cut to Perry White being like, I'm trying to lift this girder off your leg so that you're not smashed to death. Yeah. And your boy Doug Stamper is just there. Yeah. He's like, oh, God. (laughs) I have no idea what's happening. (laughs) Just weird, wild shit. Uh, And then the only other thing that I did of note that I want to plug is I wrote another blog post for our website. 
Um, and did. that's up now. So if you guys want to, if you're listening, if you've made it this far into the episode, uh, check it out. It's on our website. And uh, if you're looking for good movies to watch between now and the Oscars, unlike me, who has just said that he's watching <laughs> Snyderverse, mm. uh, check out that blog post. And there's there's a lot of good movies uh, coming up soon for the Oscars. So, Yes. Bless. Check it out. Um, I'm finished. <laughs>